And the best thing I can do now as a busted up veteran and father is rip the lid off of this cesspool and say, look, America, look at what's going on to the kids and what's happening. This is not okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fearless with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. I'm Amber Archer, your co-host, along with my husband, Mark Archer. Oorah. Oorah, here he is. <laughs> we are a husband and wife filmmaking team creating documentary films from a biblical perspective on issues impacting our society and culture with a mission to educate, motivate, and inspire others to get involved and take a stand for biblical principles and values. So welcome to the show, everybody. So in this soundbite society and post-truth world that we live in, it's important to have in-depth and informative resources that are a perfect platform to create dialogue on tough issues impacting the world around us. And today we are going to continue bringing you guys these interviews that we've been doing as we research and work on our new documentary film, The Mind Polluters. Mark, do you want to tell everybody? What the Mind Polluters is about, if they are first-time listeners. The Mind Polluters is a film that started off with us asking the question, what is this thing called comprehensive sex education? Uh, where did this come from? How did we get to this point? And it really asks the question about why is our culture so hypersexualized and why is this now seeming to take over our schools. Mm -hmm. It's showing up in the classrooms. And what we've found in this journey as we've started talking to people, uh, a lot of incredible people, is that this thing just goes everywhere. Mm -hmm. it's, its roots run deep throughout history, and but they're twisted all over the place. And we have talked to people all over the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, I mean, starting with people like Dr. Judith Reisman. Mm-hmm. Who you'll um, hear Craig talk about here. Who you'll hear talk him talk about uh, to people like Craig Sawyer, who we're going to talk to today. Uh, Judith Reisman, uh, research professor for 40 plus years, mm-hmm. uh, worked on this more than anyone. Uh, really, The sexualization the, of the children. The sexualization, mm-hmm. yeah. Craig Sawyer, veteran Navy SEAL. <laughs> SEAL um, Team 6. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got teacher, teacher whistleblowers. We've got uh, writers. We've got um, pastors. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've just got the full gamut. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got attorneys. Because you have to talk about all of these angles. And you need experts in all of these facets mm-hmm. so that you can understand really what's going on. And so as we've been going along and producing this film, we're bringing you along on the journey and we're sharing large excerpts from these interviews Mm -hmm. as we've collected them. Because there's, it's impossible that we could put all of these in their entirety. Yeah, there's just, there's just no way to include all of this stuff in a full, even a full length documentary because, you know, full length documentary when it's finished is an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Mm Mm-hmm. Every one of our interviews is an hour to an hour and a half. <laughs> and how many are we working on now? This, uh, this is well, we'll have we'll have about thirteen, uh, thirteen or fourteen. I've lost count when oh, we're done. Yes. So if you've missed any of those, you can go to fearlessfeatures.org, click on the podcast link, and you can go back and and listen to all of these interviews, very in depth interviews from all of these people around the country. Mm-hmm. Literally, we've been on the road since December filming for this and you really have to go back i think to about october 
oh, yeah. last year when we really started talking about this yeah. and, and start picking up on this thread of oh, yeah, the mind polluters. There's too much to even tell you right here. Yeah. <laughs> but um, just so much there. So let me tell you about Craig Sawyer. Uh, Craig, the Sawman Sawyer, uh, runs an organization called Veterans for Child Rescue. V4CR, as it's called, was founded by veteran Navy SEAL DevGru sniper Craig Sawman Sawyer. And I'll tell you some of these terms here in a minute. In April of 2017, Craig grew up near Houston, Texas, and got his tactical start in the U.S. Marine Corps. He quickly transitioned to the U.S. Navy to pursue high-level special operations as a U.S. Navy SEAL. As an, I say that like it, as a Navy SEAL. And moving on, uh, it's <laughs> just to get to... A Navy SEAL team is like the elite of the elite. Yeah. Add to that, DevGru, also known as SEAL Team 6, is the elite of the elites. Yeah. <clears throat> Craig, you're cool if you're yeah, listening. Yeah. I mean, it was awesome to interview Craig. We're not worthy. <laughs> as an operator on the Naval Special Warfare Development Group, DevGru, Craig gained critical combat experience that is now being utilized to protect those who cannot protect themselves because of his experience as a federal criminal investigator, Craig is uniquely qualified. We've talked about that. Uniquely, uniquely equipped. equipped to run joint sting operations with law enforcement agencies and allied NGOs. Um, Everybody in this film is uniquely equipped yeah. in what they do. Yes. I mean, it's incredible. I say it all the time and I'll say it again. Like it says in scripture, we are all one body and many parts. We all have a specific job to do that the Lord has laid out in advance for us to do. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because some of us have these unique backgrounds that were atrocious. Mm -hmm. We've talked about our stories yeah. and, and how the, the nature of our backgrounds and the Lord saving us out of that makes us uniquely equipped mm -hmm. because we understand the problem mm -hmm. from that perspective. And then some people like Diane Douglas that you mm -hmm. heard from over the past two weeks, uniquely equipped because she served at one of the highest levels in state government mm -hmm. in the education system. And now we're on to somebody like Craig Sawyer, who has a unique background because he was a warfighter. Yeah. Um, so he uh, he worked, uh, he was deployed in Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Which he'll talk about in his interview. Mm -hmm. Operations that he did there included the capturing of the very first prisoners of war, CSAR operations, which is combat search and rescue, sniper operations, reconnaissance operations, counter mine operations, and uh, FAV, fast attack vehicle operations, uh, was also a Navy SEAL sniper instructor before being promoted to DevGru or SEAL Team 6. Mm -hmm. Um <clears throat> he has also been, if you're familiar with any of these shows, he's been on a lot of TV shows. Well, okay. Also, 04 to 05, he was AIC, agent in charge of high threat mobile security operations in war zones for the U.S. Department of State. Okay. So you guys can see why we're talking to him. Protective right? <laughs> detail service in places like Baghdad, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Protected people like Donald Rumsfeld. Mm -hmm. Uh Ambassador John Negroponte, um, ambassadors, things like that. Okay. He's been on uh, all five seasons of the History Channel's show called Top Shot. He's been on virtually every news network that there is. 
uh, team leader and voice for Animal Planet's Battleground Rhino Wars, which you'll hear him talk about. Mm-hmm. Military's Military Channel's Deadliest Tech Spec Ops. Military Channel's Sniper Deadliest Missions. Military Channel's Top Guns. Co-starred in the new movie Army Dog with Casper Van Dien. Um, and also, my favorite, co-starred with Arlie Ermey on Gunny Time for three seasons. <laughs> Arlie Ermey, if you aren't familiar he if you've ever seen full metal jacket he (laughs) that that was his breakout role yeah and you would know him if you saw him he's he's just drill sergeant drill sergeant uh and arlie army died uh just a few years ago so so you tell us all this because mm -hmm. we're gonna talk to him because we talked to him extensively extensively um and he's just gonna i'm i'm just I'm just going to warn everybody. This is this is a this is a kind of an emotional interview. It's mm-hmm. a it's a you can really you can really tell that um, Craig really has a heart for this. Mm-hmm. This is not something that he does for glory. Uh, it's certainly not for the money. Mm-mm. He does this because he believes it to his core. Yeah, and listening to him uh, challenge both men and women, uh, to get involved in this, uh, is really inspirational. So with that being said, here is Craig, the Sawman Sawyer. I'm Craig Sawyer. My organization is veterans for child rescue and we expose child trafficking and we combat it on every front that we can identify. And how do you do that? The exposure piece comes primarily through film and television. I think that's the most powerful medium to bring awareness. And so we filmed documentaries and our first one was Contraland. It was an, about a 90 minute full feature length documentary film. And we brought in experts from all over and we ran operations with the federal and local law enforcement and uh, showed people what's going on. Why was it important for you to show people what was going on? What's actually happening? Explain to people in in as much detail as you can, what's really happening and what you see. Well, I started learning that child trafficking is the fastest growing criminal enterprise on earth inside the United States, and that it was a 38 to $50 billion a year criminal enterprise. And I was stunned at that. That's, that's bigger than all pro sports combined. And I just tried to comprehend how much suffering has to happen by the children to generate that level of revenue. And I realized the American people are unwitting to it. They have not been informed. We, the people, have not been informed on the nature of the threat against us all. And there are a lot of ways that it's happening. Some are taken from child protective services, put in a foster care system, and they'll go from one home to the next, some loving, some abusive, but eventually the child goes off the books and then sold outright like a piece of property to be abused in only God knows what ways. And I've learned from a lot of the surviving victims the different ways that they're harmed, but some are brought across the border. Some are runaways that are groomed and approached at bus stops and so forth. And there's actually a lot of that. And no matter how it happens, children, their their little minds can't comprehend why somebody would be so abusive to them. And the human brain is not fully developed. Our outer cortex and frontal lobe are not fully developed until the ages of about 23 to 25. Mm -hmm. 
So a little child's mind is not capable. It's, they are not armed to advocate against a full-grown predatory adult. They're just not there yet. There's a reason they're not welcome to buy, buy alcohol or firearms or drive or vote until certain ages so that they can understand the gravity of, the, of these things and be responsible. So imagine a small child trying to defend themselves against a full-grown predatory adult that's lustful and wants whatever he wants. The child is defenseless. And so I just realized that this wouldn't happen if we knew about it as a society on the whole. And I wanted to just alert everybody. Coming from the covert background, counterterrorism and federal law enforcement operations and um, even in the uh, intelligence community, secrecy is a big benefit. If you're running a covert operation, you don't want your enemy to know what you're up to. Child sex trafficking in the United States is a domestic covert operation. And the best thing I can do now as a busted up veteran and father is rip the lid off of this cesspool and say, look, America, look at what's going on to the kids and what's happening. This is not okay. This is not okay. We can do something. We must do something. And uh, I just realized that the American populace needed to be empowered with that knowledge of what was going on so that we could do something. Help people understand boots on the ground what you do. After a childhood in Southern Texas, rough and tumble, rugged, outdoorsy childhood with all the football and martial arts tournaments and hunting and fishing kind of things that that went on there, I went off to the Marine Corps. And then from the Marine Corps, I, I learned about the Navy SEAL teams and wanted to go there. And so I went to the SEAL teams and I got combat action on Desert Shield, Desert Storm. I had become a sniper and a sniper instructor after that. I got picked up for DevGrew, which everybody calls SEAL Team 6. So I don't talk about that time at that unit because it's all classified, but I just uh, realized that it's counter-terrorist operations at the very highest level. And I was so honored to work with the best in the world Uh, These patriots that are so very capable and they've beaten out thousands and thousands of other Navy SEALs to be on that tier one level team. And uh, I was just grateful for that. And I think that kind of that excellence of that unit and what was demanded of us was so it was they're all overachievers. All of your peers are, are these severe overachievers. And being in that environment was really helpful at kind of shaping my psyche and reaffirming what I was already kind of wired to do is just go make a difference in this world. And my father was a sincere pastor and spiritual leader, and I watched him change the lives of so many. Just a beautiful soul. And I was going to go kick the pants out of the bad guys as a warrior, you know, totally different direction than my father. But what he did always mattered to me. And so after I got out, mama started having, she goes, we're going to have babies. I'm like, okay. So I tried to get out of the military. So I thought I was home more to raise the children, did five years of federal law enforcement, and then 10 years of high threat mobile security for the Department of State and the intelligence community, American intelligence community uh, over in the war zones. And then started getting into film and television again as a way to get back home and be there to raise the babies more than I was as a contractor overseas. So in film and television, one of the things that 
that kind of gave me an idea was in South Africa running counter poacher operations for a three-part television series called Battleground Rhino Wars, we were running operations against the poachers to try to save the last of an endangered species. Well, the producer was a special forces veteran from South Africa. He owned the production company, wildlife production company. They make beautiful wildlife documentaries. And he said, Craig, I want you to head up a team to run counter poacher operations here, but we want to film it. And at first I was against him filming it until he broke down for me why. And this really made sense to me, and it stuck with me ever since. He said, Craig, if we bring you Americans over here and we film the struggle, we can inform the entire global populace, and maybe we can save the last of an endangered species, and we're about to lose them. They're on short final because, you know, the black market wants to take their horn and, and sell it, and they're just killing them as fast as they can. And by alerting everybody, we can bring stronger protection and stronger penalties against the, the poachers. And I thought, man, that really does make sense. And okay, let's do film it. And I thought, man, later when I learned about child trafficking in the United States, I realized this is allowed to be so pervasive because the people don't know and they need to, they deserve to be alerted and empowered with that knowledge. So I reached back to that concept of share it with them through the, the, the medium of film and television, a powerful documentary, and then 320 million Americans can fight this, not just me. And so that's why I chose that route. So we film the documentaries, we alert the populace to it, but we also run the direct action operations. We run sting operations with federal and local law enforcement. We've got uh, 23 predators as of right now with a 100% conviction rate. And uh, every one of them that you see in Contraland, every one of them that we've run sting operations against are convicted. And so now they're in a cell where they can rape no more because the child predators are, it's a serial type of predation where they don't tend to stop. And it's the average number of children whose lives they harm throughout their lifetime is about 70. And so some rape hundreds of children because they work themselves into a position of access, unsupervised access, like a scout leader that they abuse, or sometimes a priest or a Sunday school teacher even, or a coach. So these predators want that access and they abuse it. Some get caught very early on because their minds are so sick, thank God, uh, that they get caught. So it's one child, but some of them it's hundreds, so the average is 70. So everyone that we arrest and put in a box to rape no more represents who knows how many children that won't be raped and destroyed by this predator. So that feels good to take direct action against it. And so we, we do quite a bit of that. And we also alert the populace with uh, billboard placement and NASCAR placement and flyers and social media campaigns, word of mouth, just every way that we can. We're trying to just invent new ways to let people know. I wish I would have known sooner. And so I think knowledge is power and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. What's the average age of a traffic child that you see? There seem to be a lot of children that are in the 13, 14-year-old range. 12 to 14 seems to be the most prevalent numbers. Now, there are everything from infants. You know, I've, 
I've heard horror stories of infants having their diapers taken off to be raped. And that's just something that reveals the level of depravity and sickness that we're talking about here. All the way up to 18 when they age out of being a child, but a lot of times their life is still not their own because all they know is, is this victimization. They think that their sexuality is their only value, sadly, tragically, and they continue selling themselves. Maybe they're dependent upon drugs because their predators, their pimps, get them addicted to drugs for that control factor. And so it's still tragic, uh, no matter what age the victim is, but we focus on the less than 18 age group. And so 12, 13, we see a lot in that, a lot of runaways that um, they may go to a bus stop or some sort of transportation or try to find shelter and the predators know where the runaways go to. And they have scouts there. They use a lot of females as scouts and they will grab these girls, groom them. Hey, see you're on the street, you know, what's going on? You know, your parents suck, yeah, I get it. You know, my, I was in the same boat. Hey, we have a little crew over here. We're kind of like a little tribe. We take care of each other. You can hang with us. We got shelter and food, you'll be okay. You're one of us now. And the runaway's like, okay, well, I need to eat and survive and get off the street. It's cold out here or it's hot or it's rainy or what have you. And then a matter of days or weeks go by and then it started to slowly be slid across the table, the idea to the to the child of, oh yeah, you know, we do kind of do a little work, you know, we do we do some things to make money and feed ourselves and your, you know, your your time is up, you know, you're, tonight, you know, you'll do a little work and, and well, what is that work? What is it we do? Oh, we, you're just gonna entertain this gentleman. He's a, he's a really nice guy and uh, entertain means have sex with him. Whether you're a boy or a girl, you're expected to allow yourself to be raped to provide food for your group. So there's a lot of that. That's a lot of how it happens with runaways. And it's, it's tragic to me to see that females that are so wired for the nurturing aspect, females are just better than males at it. You know, single fathers have to do the best we can, but man, women are supposed to be lovers. You know, and to see him pray it on the children and sucker them in, being used as scouts to sucker them in is evil. In my mind, it's just a really perversion of what a woman is, is supposed to be. So, so there, there's this parallel when we were just talking about the nurturing aspect of women. There are a lot of female teachers that we just send our kids off to school and they... They're our teachers. They're our guides. They're the ones who are training our children. And yet, on the same hand, we have females who are part of the grooming process and, and getting these kids. Becoming personal friends with Dr. Judith Reisman was a fantastic education for me on how this mindset of preying upon children, this normalization of sexualizing children became so accepted, so tragically accepted uh, in this country. And I learned it started from one individual primarily. And as I understand it, he was a sadomasochistic pedophile. 
and he falsified his studies to make it seem like it was perfectly normal to basically rape children, that children were sexual from birth, so it was it was okay to have sex with them because that's what he wanted the truth to be. So he cooked the books. He falsified the data. So several generations later, we've got this cascading avalanche of destruction on our little ones. And tragically, our educational system has taken Kinsey's false doctrine of children being sexual from birth and and perpetuated it. And now our little ones are being groomed in the elementary schools, even kindergarten now. They're wanting to teach them more and more perverse information and acts and put that into the children's minds. And once those the, that poison is in a child's mind, it doesn't leave. They'll always remember what they learned. And it's a grooming process. Just like a child is being taken off the streets, off a bus drop, and groomed to be more sexual and sell themselves, they're being sexualized in the classroom. And it's by design. It's orchestrated. The corporations and the big families, the, the, the wealthy who are pushing this agenda are buying up the, the ability to, to write the textbooks to, to dictate what's being taught in our classroom. And I know that a lot of this harmful content, my own sister would not teach her children. My sister's a teacher. My grandmother was a teacher. So, where is the empathy for the children? Where's the responsibility? Where's that disconnect where a, a female or even a male teacher intervenes and steps between this predation upon the children and the little ones and says, no more. This is bad. I can see this is bad. And I'm not going to say, okay, and just do my job the way that maybe a, a Nazi soldier would have just executed families in Nazi Germany. Jewish families because it was his job and, and someone told him to do it. We know that, that that's not justification. So I think what we're losing here in the United States is our moral courage. Little Dr. Judith Reisman, I say little because she's a petite woman, but she's a huge champion for children. She's demonstrated that throughout her lifetime. Man, if we just had more like her, this country would be a better place. And so she fights for the children, and they attack her for it. It's brutal what is done against her. Yet it doesn't face her. She won't let it face her. She cares more about the children than she does the attacks against her, more than the discomfort against her and the brutal accusations and the defamation, the smear campaigns, the character assassinations. She cares more about the children, so she still stands up and says what's right. She still teaches. She still goes and lectures and shares the truth. We need more like her. So that's part of my motivation. This woman deserves help. Yeah. I want to bring it. So I'm trying every every chance that I can, every way that I can. I'm just trying to boost her and back her up, you know, even in the SEAL team. And we're in a big firefight, man. We want helicopters and, and planes coming and dropping bombs on the bad guys and helping us. You know, we want bigger guns and rocket launchers helping us in the fight. And so I'm when I'm on the scene to help. So we all have something that we can do. Everybody can contribute in some way, whether it's sharing information 
or praying over it or donating to those that are in the fight or sharing, you know, wearing merchandise and showing, hey, this is what I'm a part of. This is what I believe in, a bumper sticker. There's just there's so many ways hounding our elected officials saying, hey, this is this is harmful. What's being done to the children now? Sir, ma'am, you were a child at one time. Did you want to be raped or tortured or murdered? Then why are we allowing this to happen to our little ones now? Why are we grooming them and setting them up to be easy victims? Let's empower them with the knowledge of real science, of real sexuality, of, of real health and empowerment, rather than the falsified studies of a very sick-minded pedophile, Alfred Kinsey. So you heard Craig there talking about Judith Reisman and... It's worth noting that we recorded this interview with Craig uh, just a few days before Judith passed, mm -hmm. very unexpectedly. Um, in fact, we had just gotten home from our time spent with Craig and Diane Douglas and found out on that Friday morning that Judith has passed. Um, so we, we wanted to leave that in there because... Uh, he was talking about her and it's, it's all true. Yeah. You know, that is who Judith was and that's the legacy that she has left for all of us. And it's, it's uh, still a very difficult thing for all of us to, to process that Judith is no longer with us. But I want to give a, uh, a web address. If you're interested in learning more about what Veterans for Child Rescue does, uh, their website is Vets for Child Rescue. That's Vets, the number four childrescue.org mm -hmm. and uh, you can read more about them. This is part one of a four-part series with Craig. So you want to make sure that you tune in again on Thursday. Um, but also if you're um, enjoying what you're hearing here, if you're learning and this is getting you uh, fired up, I hope that it is, then um, we need your help too. Mm-hmm. Um, we have started in on this project like we started in on our first fe fearless feature called Inwood Drive uh, in faith, mm -hmm. that the Lord was calling us to do this and that the Lord would provide. And the Lord has provided miraculously as we have stepped forward in faith. We don't have any doubts that this project is commissioned by the Lord and that he has seen us through this. We have had some enormous challenges already through this film, but we have kept moving forward. Uh, but we do need your help. Mm -hmm. uh, we are, we have only ever been partially funded. Um, we are still trying to raise funds to finish this film. We still have more to shoot and we have, we have done an enormous amount of work already uh, on this film. And I know if you've been listening to this, that you, you can sense that and, and you've heard how deep this film goes mm -hmm. and we need your help. That's right. You guys, if you are able to give financially, we are in the last leg and are trying, this is the first fundraiser we're starting. We're starting a fundraiser right now. I mean, people have donated just generously throughout this process, but now we actually have to start a fundraising campaign because this film is too important to stop now. Mm -hmm. And so we are looking for finishing funds for this film. If you can give $5, $25, 
$100, whatever you can give, goes towards the completion and release of this documentary film, The Mind Polluters, in which you will have this whole spectrum of of experts in this film talking about the issue of sexualization of children. You know, we were at this a similar point uh, about a year, year and a half ago with Inwood Drive. And we told people when we started that we we didn't know how it was going to end up, but we had committed to finishing the film. Mm-hmm. And we knew that the Lord would provide a way. And the Lord provided just what we needed, just when we needed it. And if if you're listening to this and you're you're feeling that tug that you want to get involved, the same way that when when we talked to Craig and we asked him, you know, listen, I'm not a vet. How how can I get involved? Yeah. Then he said, listen, you can donate, you can pray for us, you can mm-hmm. buy merchandise, you know, all of those things. Every little bit helps. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're asking this, the same thing. Mm-hmm. If you, uh, because where's the help? Like he said, like being being in combat, right? Like this is a fight, <laughs> right? Right. And and just to give people an example, right now, Inwood Drive, our documentary film that we just released last year on Amazon, is seeing over forty thousand views a month. That's stunning. It, that we have really done stunning. no advertising. This is completely one hundred percent the Lord. Yeah. It's, so if it's you, the Lord and it's organic, yeah, we. You know why we know? Because we don't have any money to advertise the film. <laughs> don't tell people. <laughs> I'm just I'm being honest. We don't we haven't had money. We didn't have money to do the film. We barely got it done. We didn't have money to market the film. Hey, but this is us. Right? Like we're content. The Lord continues to provide and if you guys are here and want to join us on this journey, we would so appreciate your help. Yes. So, with that, we hope you will join us again on Thursday and hear part two with Craig the Sawman Sawyer. Be sure to visit fearlessfeatures.org forward slash give and you can donate there. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Have a wonderfully blessed day. Mm